Today's episode of The Throwback is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to throwback.robinhood.com. That's throwback.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to me, although now everybody just shut the show off because it's me. Come back. It is Jake Seeley on the throwback with Chris Meany and Brad Ziegler, who you listened to last week and who did a bang-up job without me. So well, what do you guys need me for? I'm out of here. Uh, back from Vegas, back from the Vegas trip. Uh, for everybody out there, if you are listening to the Freeverse, you can go to throwback.com. Oh, no, wait. I did it backwards. Wow. See, this is what happens when you're gone for a week. The Whoa, athletic. <laughs> I know. Theathletic.com slash the throwback. And then you can get 40% off for the entire year, which, hey, looks beginning of the year, New Year's resolution. Subscribe to the athletic and get all this information because baseball draft kit is already coming out. What's today? The 20th. You've got about 10 days, 11 days, and we're going to already have stuff dropping for you. So enjoy it. Uh, but I want to ask you guys, how your week was, and then I do. I want to get in a little bit of Vegas, not to be like, oh, look, I went to because it's actually me in Vegas, so you know it's not that exciting. So <laughs> I wanted to. Well, you're not still hungover. <laughs> oh yeah, the guy who never drinks is just. <laughs> actually, somebody somebody thought I was still trying to recover because when I did Pat show on Friday, uh, there was one part where like I was agreeing with him and I was losing my train of thought because I was actually agreeing with him and all. And then somebody just clipped it and says, "When you're still hungover from Vegas, I guess it's just more so the fact that I was agreeing with that." Jet, That's jet lag, man. You know, you know how that went, Chris. Not, not, I'm not blaming Chris. The miscommunication over text. I should have just called you because uh, for everybody out there, I had a three-team parlay, which was terrific through the first two, even though the lady messed up my bet. Uh, I went there and I wanted to do the 49. Nope. Chiefs to cover, Brad, you like that. I wanted the Chiefs to cover, the Chiefs to cover their points, which was 30.5, and then I got talked into by Pat, and I thought Chris was kind of, so for everybody out there, I texted Chris, and he was like, yeah, I'm on G, I'm on GB, is what you said, but I was yeah. on Seattle last week or something like that, and then I said, well, I was thinking of going with San Francisco, and you kind of like said, yeah, I can say like whatever, but it, you weren't selling me, like, and that was the thing, it's like you weren't selling, like I wasn't, I felt like I was kind of moving you more than you were moving me, so I assumed you were still on Green Bay, so when Pat talked me into Green Bay, I went with Green Bay, and that lost our parlay, which would have been nice, you know, a few little money for you, but um, 
What about you guys? Do you, it, do you, do you, do you it, lay down? Uh, so uh, you're right. I didn't really sell you on that. It was earlier in the week, and you know, here in Canada, I can bet all the time. So I thought maybe you were just like, "Hey, hey, we're, I'm in Vegas. Like, I'm gonna get a ticket. You want to be involved?" I was like, "Cool, yeah, I do. I want to be involved in Vegas. I want to <laughs> obviously have uh, a part of that. And you know, if we win, we can go back." Uh, so I really didn't sell you on that, but it wasn't until later in the week when I really just started feeling the 49ers. And I think it was, I forget where I saw the stat. It was from ESPN Stats and Info. And just over the last five years, when a team wins by 20 points against one team, that rematch, they're like 17 and five. And I was just thinking about that more, and I watched that game. I did not call you. Uh, but best on the board, luckily a best on the board, which I did have a brutal divisional round. Brad and I talked about that. I was, I was just all over all the dogs, but best on the board with Michael Beller and myself, we, I said, you know what? I'm just going with the Niners here. I watched that game from earlier in the season, and there's nothing to make me think that Green Bay will actually keep this competitive, even though there's, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers, and he didn't have an awful game, but, uh, well, sorry, late. to not talk you into, yeah, till late. Then you look at the box score, it's like, okay, great. He numbers, had an but, awful you know, first it was, half. It was another game that was dominated by the Niners, but yeah, I should have pushed a little hard, harder, but, um, you know, always hey, next time. With that, I mean, I did suggest, by the way, just to pick, San Fran, even though the odds are not good. Yeah, for the Straight yeah for the line, but yeah, you know I was going Vegas. My only time I could <laughs> bet in Vegas, and I was going for the three team parlay or the three play parlay. I I do want to, hey, Brad, on this point, the reason I bring it up is not be like ah, you know, jokey jokey. Chris ruined things. I he knows. I texted him, damn, come in eighty and screwed it all up. <laughs> um, but Brad, in in fantasy, the reason there is a reason behind bringing this up is because. Similar to what I talked about before, I told both of you guys, you guys know this, is Lamar Jackson came out as my number three quarterback in my projections, and I pushed him down before the season started. I second-guessed myself. And that's why I bring this up, because my bet, before even texting Chris, and the only reason I text Chris is because you're really good at it, and I, my bet was going to be not even the third parlay. It was just going to be a straight two-team. I was just going to take both teams to cover. And so I second guessed myself, not a lot when Chris said, yeah, I was thinking, you know, again, I'm not putting it on you, Chris, but when Pat talked me at him, Pat, Pat gave this whole narrative with the Packers and blah, blah, blah. And I bring that up, Brad, because like, how many times do you let other quote unquote, well, I don't say quote unquote, that's not a disrespect. I was going to say quote unquote analysts. <laughs> we're, we're not quote unquote, we're not quote unquote. I was going to leave the show. Yeah, we're quote unquote experts. We are all analysts. Like, how often does that happen to you, Brad? Um, it, I'm going to say it at least plays into it sometimes just because you get another perspective sometimes that maybe you didn't think of. And especially if the, if it's data driven, I don't want someone's hunch. Um, I, but if, if there's data behind it where it's like, you know what, this is pretty sound analysis. Like it, it might be something I need to consider. That's a completely different thing as opposed to just someone being like, I don't know. I just got a feeling that the, the Titans are going to win or whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not into that. That doesn't matter who it is. It could be, you know, Tony Romo and I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy into it. So <laughs> it's, but it's just, you know, I, I do think, I do think there is, um, a, a lot to be said for just, just kind of going with your initial gut because there's a reason that you, you felt that way in the first place. And I, I, there have been so many times where I've had a lineup set all week. I change it on Sunday morning and it screws up every time. Like I should have just left it the way it was. <laughs> And it feels like I don't know that I've ever made a good change on Sunday morning in in 20 years of playing fantasy football. I feel like every time I make a late change, you know, that that's where everybody's healthy and it's just kind of a hunch or a weather hunch uh, or, or something like that. It always backfires. And so I've, I've this year I committed to not doing it and I 
I won, you know, the the two dynasty leagues I'm in, and I feel like my lineup my lineup change was a or my lineup setting was a lot of the reason for that. There's a lot of outside noise that you hear, and you know what? Right. I'm sure Pat he had just won an award, right? In yeah. Vegas, he yeah, won an award there, a gambling there. award. So, congratulations, Pat, on the gambling sports video of the year. So, there you go. Congratulations, much well. I I got him knocked out of potentially winning the regular season long one because he submitted the video of him and myself. So that did not work out. So sorry, Pat, I ruined that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I talked to Pat before he left. I was with him on the weekend. We were watching the the Ravens and Titans game, and he, he'd said he was up for all the awards, and he was just like, I'm going, but I know ESPN's just going to beat me all over the place. So. Actually, it was, you want to know the truth? What? So it was ESPN, the footballers, and Yahoo that basically took yeah. home like 80 90%. Here's the worst part about it, just real quick. So Pat also accepted the, the, the two DraftKings awards. So Pat actually took three awards, even though only one was really for him. I mean, he's not even technically like a full employee of DraftKings. Technically, it's like a. Right. Anyway, I was, Pat was immediately on my left. The three footballers were on my right. So I just kept sitting at a table by myself as these dudes just kept getting up all around me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had all the awards. I know Pat had joked after. He's like, oh, you know, I won an award for a gambling show for everyone. You know, thanks for listening and not taking my advice. <laughs> just there for to fade or or for the entertainment. But no, it's you – know, Well, see, and ball. what happened – and, and I'm glad you said that, Brad, and what happened – and then uh, you didn't jump in on that part too, Chris, to get your opinion there. Is it's so there's group think we know the sport. I mean, you can see group think between rankings week to week. Just go look at consensus, so you know where to go for that consensus rankings, and you'll see them move from Tuesday midnight where mine come out. And I'm not saying that as in like, oh, they look, they copy me. But a perfect example is that I even gave to them in Vegas because those guys were there is the week that uh, Randall Cobb went off two weeks. In, he actually went off two weeks in a row. Is that first week? And I remember we talked about him on the show, and I remember we were talking about the fact, and I said there's a reason. I don't remember if Gallup wasn't 100% or Cooper wasn't. Something was going on, and it was a good underneath matchup, and I had him at like 39. We talked about it on the show, and by the time we got to the end of the week when consensus started at like 58, you guys remember, he was dragged all the way up to like 43 because the group think happens, Chris, and I think that's, you know, I think there's a little bit of a danger in industry when we talk to as many people as we do, and you want everybody out there listening to us to get the best advice possible and make as informed a decision as you can, but it's kind of hard like when we're we're making the same mistakes. Yeah, I mean the the fantasy community has really grown over over the years with, you know, not just the rankings, but the DFS crew. I mean, Brad, this time last week, Brad and I came on the show and we talked about Tevin Coleman and how he had that big blow up game and what happened to Raheem Mostart. Well, he was dealing with an illness. He was still involved. Well, next week it's going to be Mostart. And writing, you know, for the DFS, the ultimate pass, and you know, you're involved there as well. It was basically exactly what I said. I feel like everyone is going to be on Tevin Coleman from last week. I'm going to be on Raheem Mostart and I'm going to just ride him out and expect a lower ownership. The DFS community was all over that. It didn't yeah. take anybody by surprise. Nobody had Tevin Coleman yesterday. <laughs> a no. lot of people had Rohe Mostart and that big monster game, right? So it's um, – everyone is – everyone's pretty smart these days. It's wisened yeah. up. Yeah, I, I, I was the same way. I, I thought um, in, in some of the, you know, the survivor playoff leagues where you pick a player and you can never use them again, I really thought I would, I would be kind of in the minority on Mostert. And um, I definitely wasn't because I – 
after his game, I was like, oh, I've got a shot. I played Mahomes, I played Tyreek Hill, and I played Mostert yesterday. And I'm like, I've got a shot to make big leaps here. And I, I got up into, you know, into where I'm, you know, cashing at the moment, you know, depending on how the Super Bowl goes. But it was, it was just surprising that, like, so many other people had, was, were on Mostert yesterday. And I really thought that was an advantage I was going to have, especially when Coleman went out. And I was like, man, everybody's going to have, you know, three points from Tevin Coleman and I'm going to get like 60 from Mostert. But, you know, and, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> Yes, it's just that's the dangerous of that getting as much information out there as you can and also being able to kind of cut through the noise or, you know, where a lot of people are out there. And I'm not saying this isn't a shot at anybody. This is a job and like any job is like, you know, when you get group think, you get people who are like swayed more easily than some. And, you know, you know what happened with me? It's the inexperience, Chris. It, I, look, it's the first time making a live bet. If I would have been, this would be like if I went and played NBA DFS. I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm going to go to you for advice because you know more than I do. And that's what happened with the betting thing with like Pat was sitting there talking to me. And again, Pat doesn't hit a lot. And for all his tongue and cheekness, Pat is really good. Don't, don't yeah, make any is, mistakes. Just follow him for golf, especially. Holy crap. That dude takes in money like every single week, but well, they're picking winners every other week there. Right? I know it's, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, somebody they screenshot last year, I think won the million maker offer or it was it is it the first place or second place off one that they had for like the U S open or something. I forget which, but I wanted to talk about gambling again, still real quick. Cause it was in Vegas. And of course the FSGA was the FSTA and instead of being trade associated, now it's gaming association because there is gambling coming and there's gambling that's starting to get into states that's out there. And one of the topics we talked about to get your guys' opinion on this, and you know, I don't know if you know how I feel. I think we've talked about this, but just in case, I'll make the real quick version. Is with gambling coming around, I think in two years, once I'm, I'm estimating two to three years, most the majority of states will have it. I think DFS is not going away. But I feel like for all the casual players, nobody's going to play anymore because I, I see it as this. I want, and especially your opinion on this, Chris, is I kind of feel like if you're playing DFS and it's, hey, you have to put in 20 bucks and face 75,000 people, why wouldn't you just go to play 20 bucks on whatever team or whatever spread or whatever line or whatever prop bet that you wanted because it's just 50-50 every time. Not even 50-50 if you think you're doing a good job. You're probably thinking 65-35 versus trying to beat 75,000 people for maybe a decent payout. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of felt like that, unfortunately. You know, I'm, I am a big, I'm not a huge gambler, but I, I'm, you know, I've been able to do it for a long time here living in Canada, let's be honest. I've been able to do it, you know, I was 16 years old and I was giving my grandfather like two bucks to go get me, you know, a four game <laughs> hockey pro line or football pro line. Like I've just been doing it for a What's long time. What's the age up there, 18? The uh, 19. Yeah, nineteen. So that's um, a weird number. And get my grandfather in trouble there. It's it's nineteen in certain spots, and it's eighteen in other spots. Like Quebec, Montreal, just has their own rules. So you can do whatever you want, basically. <laughs> um, the, the Mounties are going to come up to your grandfather's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they don't care at all. Uh, but but for the you know for the gambling, I'm I'm a coward when it comes to bets. So you know when I was telling you like let's just put more money down on San Fran. I, I this this some of the spreads, especially this time of the year when there's only a couple, I get a little I'm a little hesitant. I, I tend to tease down, you know, underdogs. Hey, I don't think explain the that. Are win, a lot of people don't, don't know what you just okay. Said. So like so for example, um, the Chiefs were favored by seven and a half. Well, you can tease them down by seven points so that instead of if you don't feel like the Titans are going to win the game, but you feel like it's going to be close. You can tease it from seven to fourteen. So, for example, yesterday I had the Titans not to lose by seven, which was the spread. If I took Tennessee plus seven and a half, 
I need them to, to keep within a touchdown, basically. But when you tease it and you change the odds, and now the odds aren't as good. You have to put more money down, but you have a better chance to win. So I had the Titans not to lose by 14 yesterday instead of 7. So I, I'm a coward. I'll be honest. I say it all the time to, to Michael Beller. Yeah, I don't feel great about the 7, but I don't think they'll get blown out by double-digit points. And they did, but I still, luckily, I got the 14. Now, all that could change. KC could have kicked the field goal at the end. A lot of stuff could change. We know that with gambling. But uh, I tend to take a conservative side, put a little bit more money down, um, and, and I'm conservative that way. But when it comes to DFS, you're right. And there was, a, if for people who don't who aren't aware, I mean, the million, Millionaire Maker a couple weeks ago, there was some controversy with the win because you can only put in 150 lineups in the DraftKings and the Millionaire Maker per household. And there was a couple, a bachelor couple, I'm not super familiar with the names, but they were on The Bachelor a couple of years ago. Anyways, the couple allegedly put, each of them put 150 lineups in. So they had 300 compared to the average Joe like me, who only really wants to put in one. Well, and well, you're don't, right, you're competing don't against a to bunch that. of people. The kicker, the, the kicker was when they did both those lineups is that there was so much overlap that it was clear that she didn't make the decisions. Right, she didn't make the decisions, and she tweeted out earlier, like later on, mistake that you know her husband didn't want her to play DK Metcalf. Anyways, it's a, it's for people who are following the DFS community, it's actually been a mess. I don't think DraftKings has said too much about it yet. Uh, they need to change the rules, but you're right. I I tend to stay away from those contests. Yeah, it's nice. You want those big payouts, the ten Gs, the the millionaire makers. Yeah, million dollars. They give it out every week. But you're you're playing for twenty five bucks. So you know you know what you go do? Go lineups. buy eight lottery tickets to the Mega Millions, right, Brad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's okay, just the same. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of you know. Everybody has their own strategy, and and. Everybody's always trying, or not, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people try to escape the rules a lot. We've seen it in baseball a lot. You know, it's like, oh, this is going to give us an edge. Well, what, what's going to give you an edge in fantasy and what's going to give you an edge in betting? And it's, you know, there's, everybody has their kind of their own philosophy and very few people. One thing I've, I've, I've noticed as I've been around this a little longer, very few people will change their, their philosophy on stuff. They will, they might tweak it a little bit. But they're not going to go a completely different direction and try something completely different because they don't want to relearn, you know, re- relearn this, that strategy or, or dive deep in that strategy. They're like, you know what? I, I know this works. This worked for me in the past. I'm going to try to tweak it a little bit and, and, you know, keep up with the times. And it's, I don't know. It's just I, that gambling is not really my thing. Uh, I've, I've done it one time. I, I, when I was out in Vegas, I put, or I was actually in Reno. Um, put a little money. The Chiefs are playing a Sunday night football game this year against the Colts. And I was out in Reno and I was like, you know what? While I'm here, I may as well put some money on it. I should have bet the Colts just so that way if the Chiefs won the game, I'd be happy. And if the Colts won the game, then I would have won my bet. And I didn't. I, you know, I bet on the Chiefs and of course the Colts thumped them and, um, it ended up, you know, being just kind of a really disappointing night, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't a lot of money or anything. It was just, just kind of like, you know, win in Rome situation. Yeah, Jake, right. that, that's what I say to you all the time when we do the DFS show, that I'm a cash game player, because your odds are better. Yeah, you're not going to get the big payout, but I'd rather compete with 20 people in a double up where I have to come top 10, as opposed to, you know, thousands and thousands of people with the perfect lineup. So that's why I just go in smaller contests, head-to-heads, 50, 60 people. The payouts yeah. are not the same, but you could build a bankroll over time if you're paying. That's, that's my favorite strategy in best ball. I love playing the 2X best ball games because I don't... There, when you're drafting in July, there are so many things that can happen between July and December that I feel like that's my best odds of cashing. And if I cash in, you know, 80% of my best balls, which I, I did this year, 
then I'm going to end up being okay, even though I, I didn't, you know, I don't know how many of those leagues I actually would have finished like top three or first overall where I would have, have cashed had it been a different format. But because it was a 2x format, you finished fifth in the league, fourth in the league, whatever, you double your money, same as the guy who was better than everybody else and, and finish in first place. Yeah, and it's all good input and points, and as you can see, the two tie together, and this is why I also I'll draw the parallel to DFS, to poker all the time for the tournament-wise, or like cash, as you said, Chris, you know, you play a cash game, yeah, you you know, hour or two, you come out with the maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and you build your bankroll. You can play a tournament for four hours and still not even cash. It's like, but, you know, everybody sees that big prize, they want to win the million, they want to win the 100,000 and stuff like that, so understand it, but Speaking of winning, we're not talking winning anymore. Now we're talking two losers. We're talking the Packers and the Titans. And I want to talk Packers and Titans because as of today for next year as your assumptions. And I want to start with the Packers because the Titans have a little bit of different wrinkles, but I think a lot of it's simpler with them. But let's talk about the Packers because I, I joked about it when you brought it up, Chris. This has been the worst Aaron Rodgers season probably. Like, not statistically, not, you know, oh, we didn't have this or excuse. This has been the worst watching Aaron Rodgers play football season. Like, you would say if you were somebody just casual fan, you'd be like, hey, like, he doesn't look as good as he used to. Casual fan would just probably be like, oh, he hit the cliff. Like, you know, it's it's over for him. But I bring that up because what did we do at the beginning of this year? And I say we because I say the industry because there wasn't one sole person out there who wasn't thinking that one of the two, whichever one you chose, but one of the two of Allison or MVS was going to be a wide receiver three, because it's Aaron Rodgers, it's this offense, somebody's got to be the number two, somebody's got to catch all those balls, and Jimmy Graham isn't great at this point. So are you going into this offseason, and obviously a lot of things can change, but this is why I'm phrasing this question this way, Chris. Are you going into this offseason thinking that there might be a valuable number two, whether it's Lazard still there and he makes the next step forward, they draft somebody free agent, whatever it might be, or is Aaron Rodgers now at the point where Devontae Adams gets so much that it's kind of similar to Deshaun Watson where it's Devontae Adams, it's DeAndre Hopkins, Screw the rest. Well, right now it's definitely screw the rest. Yeah, I, you bring up a good point. I, I thought it was going to be MVS. I think we all had conversations here, like the, a great opportunity for MVS and Geronimo Allison to step up in this offense and be the number two. And, yeah, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. You're linked to Rodgers. You expect some of these guys to have some big games, and they just really didn't. Even when Adams was sidelined, I thought the offense at times struggled. There was We were just looking and waiting for somebody else to step up. There was so much opportunity for these guys to have big games, and it's just – it just wasn't there. So I expect them to bring in somebody else in the into this offense. It can't just be Adams. It just it can't be. Like they have to have another option. So I'm I think I'm completely out on Rodgers from a fantasy standpoint. I know we joked a couple weeks ago with the the mock draft for the athletic when I think we were in the eighth round and he needed somebody to bring me a quarterback and, and I think it was Brad who put me Aaron Rodgers in there for me and I immediately <laughs> no. raced him <laughs> yeah. for Dak Prescott <laughs> he, he, who has multiple weapons. The, the instructions were put in the highest ranked quarterback. And that was who was left. <laughs> You're like, no, but I don't want yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Not in-season rankings. It wasn't in-season rankings because Dak was, had a better fantasy season Chris than Aaron Rodgers. Like, not on my rankings. Yeah. 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 So, I was going, so I was going by I th- what, what, uh, who was that? Who ran that league? Some Funston. ADP. Funston, yeah. Yeah, it was Funston It was just the, the list side. he had on the right that was like, you know, here's kind of the consensus rankings for next year. And, and that I just took the top quarterback off that list. So yeah. yeah, Jake, there is a lot of games this season, and I, I know you, both of you guys know this. People listening, like Aaron Rodgers came away with about 200 passing yards and one touchdown. Like there is a span there. I'm looking at the game log now. 
161 and one touchdown. 233, zero touchdowns. 104 and one touchdown. That was the other game earlier against San Fran. 195 and one touchdown. 203 and one touchdown. 216 and zero touchdowns. Like, there are a lot of those games this season where it's like, that's not good enough from a fantasy standpoint. They need to bring in another weapon. Yeah, that's, that was one, I, I feel like, there were a few really good calls I made this year compared to consensus. I mean, he was being drafted as the QB five, QB six, and in, in uh, you know a lot of ADP rankings early in the the early in August. And I had him as my QB fourteen on the year. I just didn't I didn't see a path to him being in the top twelve with the receiving core he had. And you know when when he had that five touchdown game, I was like, oh man, this is gonna like it's gonna end up backfiring. But I think he ended up finishing QB twelve or something like that, which you know may you know. It is whatever, but it's it's not anybody. He's he was never anybody I had confidence in starting all year long, and I, I feel like he's. It's kind of like Tom Brady. It's like there's a lot of name value now, but if you're really looking at the statistics needed for fantasy football, this is not a guy I want to play on a week in week out basis. Like there there are guys who finished lower than him on the season that I would rather have started because they were more consistent every week. Was there anything that could get you guys to put him back inside the top 10 for next year? And I'll give you a for instance. Let's say they bring in Robbie Anderson or Brashard Perriman or even A.J. Green. Oh, my goodness. If A.J. Green's on that squad, I would consider him a top 10, absolutely. Top 5? Uh, maybe not because I don't know if the rushing ability is there. With him, and I think that would honestly be the difference with some of these quarterbacks that we've been ranking up near the top. I think it's that that nice rushing floor, even when they have dud games, like some of the games that I just gave an example to. Like Rodgers didn't really provide anything on the ground, but I mean, yeah, I'll give you one. AJ Green Chris, on that uh, if, even if Aaron, if even if AJ Green is there, I'd still take Kyler Murray to finish higher. Yeah, well, there you go. That's it. <laughs> so you agree then? It's the yeah, I know. That's, floor. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Brad? No, I. You're you're the lowest of all of us. Yeah, and I think. <laughs> I think it would have to be more than one guy. Um, you know, if they if they draft Jerry Judy and and then also bring in AJ Green, and all of a sudden there's three legit weapons there. That's it. Only Green, no Robbie Anderson or Paraman or somebody like that for you. Um, I don't. I don't know. I it's it's. I mean, I'd have to think about it a little bit, and they they would have to take a wide receiver at the top of this draft, like first or second round, for me to even think that that player is going to be a difference maker in 2020 um, in conjunction with bringing in a free agent. I don't know if Perryman would do it for me. I know he was decent at the end of the year, but Rodgers doesn't take the same the same chances that Jameis Winston does, and that's part of the reason why he <laughs> no. only has – you know, that's part of the reason he only has four <laughs> interceptions on the year. But I don't I don't know that Perryman gets open enough for Rodgers to trust him throwing it. I think it'd be more you, – you need a guy who's kind of like a – He's already got a contested catch guy. I mean, Devontae Adams is as Emmanuel good as Sanders. That is, as there is. Bring in the guy that beat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody like that, a, a possession type guy, and then you bring in another like like take the top off guy on the other side um, in the draft. You know, maybe if they draft C.D. Lamb or something like that, or or Henry Ruggs, where it's like a guy that can just you know absolutely take the top off of the defense, and then you've got a possession receiver, and then you've got Devontae Adams, who's a, a big time alpha. Then at that point, I could see him maybe getting into the top ten. There's no way I'd put him in the top five, but maybe in the top ten. You're you're basically off Aaron Rodgers because you just you just named like well you'd probably be a fan of most teams that gave him seventeen thousand options. (laughs) I I need him to have three. That's the thing. When when he had three wide receiver, draft a wide receiver. When he had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and. 
I don't remember who the third guy was on the other side that was that was a legit. He had three legit receivers, <laughs> and when he had all three of them, he was really good. Since then, I I haven't seen it. Like he, they're completely content if no, they get I out to you. a lead, they are completely content I running the ball. I was just well. I'm glad you said that because that's where I'm going next. I, I was just having fun with it. You know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they have to throw 75 percent of the time. And they <laughs> AJ Green, Austin Hooper, drafted yeah, wide receiver. You, you were yeah. off. You're off Aaron Rodgers. I'm probably off so, Aaron Rodgers. Let, so can I get you guys to join me because everybody knows this. And yes, let's talk about the difference between where somebody finishes in the game to game success rate because Aaron Jones finishes the number two running back this year, but Aaron Jones also had five single digit performances. He also had another couple around the like 12, 13 points. And then he has his 28, 27, 29, 38, 46 for like, this is what the struggle is with Aaron. And if not for both touchdowns against San Francisco, and get you could argue easily that one of them was definitively garbage, and then the other one—I mean, we can make the debate there, whatever it might be. Two touchdowns. He still only has 17 touches and 12 rushes. And this is why I, you guys both know this. This is why I railed against Aaron Jones being as high as people wanted to be this year. Yes, he finished number two, which is going to make my ranking look wrong. And I'm not saying that because, like, oh, I'm right in the end because I, I am right in the end because he's. He's the Sean Jackson of running backs. If you want that as your number two, I would take that all day long. He's one of the best running backs on a per-touch basis, which is something I've probably said a million times. But I'm not going to get him as my number two, and there ain't no way in hell I'm taking him in the mid to early second round, or either of you guys. You go ahead. Aaron Jones, no, I'm not. I... Number one, there's going to be massive touchdown regression. Like, there's no way. What do you, what do you score this year? 18, 19 touchdowns, I think. There's no way 19, he scores that again. David. Yeah, there's there's no way he scores that again. Um, I I could see him. That's basically what Kamara did the year before, and then what did Kamara do this year? Like six touchdowns. I think that's pretty realistic yeah. next year for Aaron Jones. I could see him falling into the the mid single digit range, and and. Especially if they go out and add receiving weapons. Like, you know, we know they have to. Like, there's no way they go into next year with the same receiving core that they have this year. If they add a receiver or two, they're going to pass the ball more because they can. Like, they, they, this year they really couldn't. They had to rely on Aaron Jones and even Aaron Jones in the passing game, um, you know, quite a bit because he, I don't think he's, he's typically a 50 catch guy out of the, out of the backfield. And I think that's about what he had this year. So I, I just, I don't want, um, I'm a, where he's going to be drafted, I want nothing to do with him. If he gets to the, maybe the middle of the third round or something like that, then I would think about it then because you've at least seen, I feel like this year was his absolute ceiling. And even with that, he barely had a thousand yards rushing. And it's not, it's, it's like, that's not the guy that I look at being the, the RB2. I want a guy who's going to get me 1500 yards rushing. And, you know, has touchdown upside that just comes with that naturally because of the volume of carries. Four rushing touchdowns as a rookie, eight as a sophomore, 16 last year, you know, 32 next year. <laughs> yeah, he's just on, on that trajectory. Um, now, this is the year to be in on him. I, to- I totally agree with both of you guys. Uh, I won't be in on him next year if he's going to go early second, mid-second. And, Brad, you nailed it. It's it's the catches. It's the receptions. I mean, he's second on the team in, in catches and targets and receiving yards. If they bring in a guy or two, I mean, you're probably going to see a drop-off there. I've always wanted a running back linked to this offense because of, of how good it's been in, in years past. I mean, the one year Eddie Lacy was, was a monster. Um, but there's just Jamal Williams is still going to be there, who, by the way, like had a team-high five receiving touchdowns. That's how like thin this receiving core was this year when Devontae Adams missed some times. 
So no, I'm just I, there's going to be regression. There really is. Um, so he's gonna be third round. Pass. Oh, absolutely. I, I think third round if he falls because I still think he's the guy there. Like as much as Williams was involved, and maybe we really didn't see that breakout from Jones until Williams got hurt. But when Williams is healthy and active, it seemed like Matt Lafleur still wanted to use both backs, whether it was like sixty forty, seventy thirty. But third round, I would take a shot of him. All right. So let's move on from here. Uh, the, well, nobody cares about Jimmy Graham, let's be honest. And let's talk about the Titans. And the Titans got bounced. And I say thankfully because, for one, I just didn't want to watch them in the Super Bowl. As fun as this has been with Ryan Tannehill, I said this to my buddy. He was sitting here yesterday as a Dolphins fan because he's loving the fact of what Tannehill is doing. He's like, but at the same time, I'm kind of reluctant to see him in Miami in a Super Bowl. <laughs> I said, I'm just reluctant to see the Titans there. Look. Tannehill, we appreciate it. We had fun. Took out the Patriots and like, it's, it was fun. Your time is done, thankfully. So now we get the Chiefs, but next year, Derrick Henry is a free agent. I think we're all assuming he's back. We all assume that if they can't work something out, they're going, he's just going to get slapped the franchise tag because that's what the NFL does with running backs, especially. So if he's back, and I'm bringing this conversation back again, Chris, because it's changed a little bit. Last time we did take him the first round. I said I wouldn't feel too confident until the second. And now those stretch of games in the playoffs in the final part of the season, like what he's done over there. And now yesterday's game on top of it where they tried, but as saw, fell behind and didn't work out as well as it had been. Did, did score a touchdown, but 19 for 69. Two for negative eight receiving. Again, he's never caught more than three balls this year, and that's where my concern is always lie, lay, lie, lay, lie, whatever it is. It's rested. <laughs> the, the, the Derrick Henry on quality defenses with no passing game. That's the floor. And in a half point and full point PPR, which is pretty much 80, 90% of the industry now, I still can't bite the bullet in the first round. I am assuming your opinion has not changed with, especially with week 17 wild card in the, in the playoff game in the divisional round. It hasn't totally changed, but at that time, I was debating between him and Chubb, and I don't think it's a debate anymore for me. I would go Chubb ahead of him, um, just because I don't expect Kareem Hunt to be around, and I, and I do expect Chubb to catch a few more passes than Derrick Henry. But I Would still you switch think back if Chubb is if, – if Henry – <laughs> can I get the right one? If, Hunt, if, if, if Hunt. Hunt's back – um. Yeah. Maybe. Um. It, it may. It may be enough for me to switch back, but I don't expect that to be the case. I expect the backfield to be Chubbs uh, in Cleveland, so I'll, I'll lean that way. But I still think Henry has one more solid campaign, and I don't know if it's a fifteen hundred yard season. I know he doesn't catch a lot, but he's still he's still a monster, man. He's still <laughs> gonna have a solid year. Yeah, and you got to think. <laughs> and we, Brad and I talked about selling him, and now in dynasty leagues, like sell yeah, him yeah. Right I now. feel like you have sell to. High. It's it, and I I'm. I think there's a chance they sign him to a deal. I don't know what he's going to get, but I think they use their franchise tag on on Tannehill. And the biggest reason is because he I, I don't know contract. that you want to go and give him like a 5 or 6 year deal because you don't you don't really know what you're getting. You got a guy who had a lot of motivation this year, he's in a contract year. He was he was coming out of the you know the potential to uh, you know from being a backup all year and making nothing. All of a sudden he had like, "Oh, here's this motivation. I got a chance to go get me a big contract." I like you saw yesterday. That's not a guy that I want to put my franchise, like like my team, on his back and say, you know what, you need to go out and win us a game. Because when push came to shove, I don't think he could do it. I I don't like. There's going to be very few games where he can go out and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. I'm not saying it's you know that's a ceiling for him, and it's not you know. Whereas a guy like See, but that's 
That's why I think he gets like the, the Garoppolo contract over three or four years. As in, like, we'll pay you three or four, twenty-seven, whatever, around million, what it is. And then maybe we don't need to draft this year, but maybe we still can plan on addressing this at some point. You're just kind of like a, hey, we found an Andy Dalton for a little while. Yeah, it, I think it's, that's how it goes. And that's very possible. Like, if they can get him for, you know, even 20 a year, I think it would be, you know, it'd be worth it in a short-term deal. I wouldn't, you know, they're, they've talked about, um, I wouldn't go over four years with him. I, and I think two or three would even be a wiser situation. Um, that being said, it's, you know, Derrick Henry is, you can see their style of offense. He fits their style perfectly. The problem is, we mentioned they need to get a better receiving back than Dion Lewis. They've got an out in Lewis's contract this year. I think there's like 1.125 maybe in dead cap, if I remember correctly. And if they cut him right now and they need to get a better receiving back, like a Tariq Cohen, you know, dr- draft somebody. I don't know. There's probably a, a you know, a, a good, a good guy to come out in this year's draft. Oh, there's plenty. Yeah. But they, but just somebody to be a complimentary back to him because Dion Lewis doesn't scare anybody as a receiving back. And Henry is so one dimensional that he's, and, and I, and I'll be honest, I don't know. I mentioned this to Chris on, on, you know, last week sometime. I don't think Derrick Henry makes it through 2020 healthy. He took so much beating this year with the carries and yesterday it was 19 carries and they were all hard fought. He had the, the only, the only, the touchdown was the only play he didn't take a hit on. And he wasn't, you know, it's not like he got to this outside and, and runs out of bounds after he gets six or seven yards. He's taking hits every single play. And I know he's bigger than any other running back in the league. And I realize he's kind of built for that. But he had almost 400 carries this year. I don't want anything to do with him in 2020, especially if he's going at the end of the first round, top of the second round. I, I like, I am completely out. I wouldn't touch him until the third round. 400 carries is a lot of carries, Jake. That's, yeah, that's... It's a lot of tread. It's a, it's a heck of a lot. And there are guys coming out. I mean, there's a, I can't think of his name right now. The kid, I think he's coming out, but the kid from Arizona, you could take in the third day, maybe even the Vaughn from Vanderbilt. I mean, there's options to, to your point. And I looked it up while you were talking about it. Brad is 1.1 million dead cap if they got rid of him. So yeah, it's certainly feasible, but at a, at a minimum, a he's a restructure. There's no way they're going to pay him $4 million the next two years to, to hang around. No. No, certainly not. And so you talk about Deion Lewis, and that's good because that's where I want to close things out for today with the passing game, is going to next year. This is going to be like a simple version question for this. Chris, start with you. Where does A.J. Brown go? Where does A.J. Brown deserve to go in your mind as of today? I think A.J. Brown probably goes – I think people draft him in the fourth. I'm going to be out on A.J. Brown. I just, I'm a little hesitant from a guy who caught 52 passes and, and got a thousand yards. I just, I don't want those, like he's the perf, Brad says all the time, best ball. He, he's your boy, Brad. Like he's the cover boy oh, right. now. He's the Are new Sean Jackson. Uh, here it is. I was going to say, that's our name for him. Is he not? I mean, look at some of these games. I, 11, 4, point nine, 23, 3, 3, 9, no, 8, on. 10, 2. I, I, you're like, saying that and it's, to be honest, like, so I want everybody to know. I'm not saying Deshaun Jackson is like, it can't be valuable. But to what Chris is saying, if you remember, there's no way you were taking Deshaun Jackson in the fourth round because you weren't dealing with that madness. No, and that's, exactly. I think that's the problem. Well, you draft him, he's going to be your what? Your second? If you're taking him in the fourth, I guess. unless Most you go likely. three Depends wide receivers. On, in the first. Yeah, unless you go no three. Thanks. Yeah, you start three. I, that's the only way I can see it. Like, so if he's sitting in the fourth and maybe. Wide out, wide out, wide out, and Brown's your third? No, wide out, wide out. And a running back, like wide out running back, right? Like, or even running back wide out and to go three straight. He's your three. 
I, I, it's crazy to say this, and I can get your opinion too the, here, Brad, is I don't want him in the fourth. Like, I don't want to pay that price. I'm a huge A.J. Brown fan. Everybody knows that. I don't want him in the fourth. But if I take him in the fourth just to make sure I get him and I went running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, and that's how I started, and he's the best option there, in my opinion, by a small gap, I could see pulling the trigger, but I don't want him there, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And we, you know, that, that mock that we did where he went 4.1, I realized that when you're at the turn, it's a little different because if you don't get a guy there, if you really want a guy, you know, he's not getting back to you, but he was taken ahead of DJ shark. There's no way I would do that because DJ shark has way more volume coming his way. I want shark. I'll take shark in the third round next year. No problem. And I don't care who's quarterback in there, whether it's Foles or Minshew or whatever, (laughs) because it didn't matter. He, most weeks he was still, even at the end of the year when Minshew was not playing that great, Shark was still viable whenever he was in there, when he wasn't hurt. And so I give me that. Give me Stephon Diggs and the upside because he's basically A.J. Brown from the big play standpoint, but he also can get you some volume in some games. Now, granted, I don't know what they're going to do in Minnesota with their offensive coordinator I, unless they hired one that I didn't see. You mentioned Nick Chubb earlier, and I know I'm going off on a tangent a little bit here. The reason I like yeah. Chubb next year is because of Stefanski. Um, I, I would take Chubb over Derrick Henry for sure, not just because of the injury risk, but you just saw they're bringing in a guy who is a run-heavy guy. Why would you not want Nick Chubb in there? He could be – he's just as talented as Dalvin Cook, and he could literally be what Dalvin Cook was this year. That being said, going back to the receivers, I, I love A.J. Brown, and I think A.J. Brown not only – I don't think he's just a big play guy. I think there's more to his route tree. He's big enough to be a contested catch guy, to to be a guy over the middle. He needs to kind of develop and learn that part of the game. But I don't trust Ryan Tannehill. In a dynasty league, give me A.J. Brown all day. I want him, I want his career because I think it's going to be pretty special. I don't want him in 2020 if Tannehill's back because I, I just don't know that there's going to be enough volume to be relevant on a week in, week out basis. And I don't want to, it's kind of like Will Fuller. I don't want to be playing the, the odds of like, is this guy going to be good this week or not? Because he may have three or four just monster games and win you a week and he's going to disappear in just as many leagues or just as many weeks, if not more. And, and I don't, I don't want that. I want the guys that are, you know, a little more consistent. The, you know, I can wait two or three rounds later and take Emmanuel Sanders or Tyler Boyd or DK Metcalf. Give me the guys that are going to get six, six catches a game. And as opposed to the guy who has the, the occasional blow up week. See, Jake, I wow. trust Tannehill. It's just there's been there's some games you look at the game log where, I mean, Brown wasn't he wasn't a factor to to your point, Brad. And I, it's just maybe it was top coverage. You look at some of the games, the Saints, for example, like Lattimore, two targets, one catch. The Pats in the postseason, one target, one catch or four yards. Baltimore, one catch, three targets, nine yards. The other games were just blow ups, blow up games against weak secondaries: the Texans, the Raiders, the Jags. So. I wonder if the game plan is still going to be let's use Derrick Henry. So that's why I think you'll get some of those inconsistent performances where he doesn't get the ton of volume. But I agree. Like his route tree, he he could be something more than just that big boomer bust. But I need to see it before I spend a fourth-round pick yeah, on him. Yeah, for sure. Right. And, and there's, there's a lot that could change with this team. So the last two, and we'll get out of here. Corey Davis question mark is there any hope that he could pull Devontae Parker and I would not even say in top 10 but I mean we're headed down the same path where Corey Davis is headed down the Devontae Parker path 100% funny enough Tannehill there you go so whether or not it's Tannehill whatever it is like your thoughts on Corey Davis Chris and then also Jonu Smith now that it seems like Delaney Delaney Walker is finally officially done is Jonu Smith 
a tight end one for you because he kind of falls into the same situation as A.J. Brown, where it's like, hey, you get the first catch of the game. Oh, guess what? We only threw 10 passes. The rest, you're gone. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm more interested in Jonu Smith than I am in, in with Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis needs uh, a fresh start somewhere else, maybe on a, on a new team. I, I still believe in the skill and the upside, uh, but it's been it's been a frustrating tenure for him in Tennessee, that's for sure. But te- but Jonu Smith, I think he's a, I think he's a borderline tight end one. If you're one of those guys who likes to wait it, wait it out on tight ends like a Saki No Fant, those guys are going to be in that range. Um, again, this is a team that I think. The offense is just going to run through Derrick Henry, so there's going to be some inconsistent games from him. But, yeah, I mean, I don't mind Johnny Smith. I think he's going to continue to trend up. I'll tell you the reason why I'm a little lower on Johnny Smith, and I believe in his talent. But the fact that Anthony Ferkser is there and they always look for Ferkser in the red zone limits Johnny (laughs) Smith's ceiling to me. because I I He's not even as big. It makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, he's, he's not. Forget, but don't it's, follow him. He's, I will say this. The route he ran yesterday completely spun – it was Dan Sorensen, the chief safety, completely spun him around. I think he's a better – Yeah, because it was basically – it was like a wheel route from a tight end. Yeah, it's and yeah. that's not something Johnny Smith can do. Johnny Smith is a bigger target. He's athletic, but he's not shifty at all. And Ferkser is a little, a little more that way. I think if assuming they're both there, I, I think there's a li- a little bit of it's kind of like the Zachers Dallas Goddard thing, but then put put the the top tight end down below Dallas Goddard. Like it, it's there's going to be targets there, but AJ Brown's going to take some, and there's and Corey Davis is probably going to take some. I mean, even yesterday, Corey Davis had eight targets yesterday, and I don't know that that that's going to change. They're probably going to bring somebody else in unless you know. It, to be an outside guy unless they really believe in Corey Davis and maybe they do, but I, there's not, I just don't see the volume to, to in right, the so passing you, game you to don't, make either of these guys. They, they don't throw in the red zone anyways. They like, let's be honest. They don't throw in the red zone. AJ Brown led the team with eight targets in the red zone. They throw, they run the ball on the red zone. Yeah. So and if Brad, if Corey Davis is on the board in their 10th round next year, uh, that's, you know what? That's probably the perfect place to take him because he, if you end up having to drop him after a couple of weeks, it's not a big deal. Um, I, there, right. I don't want to touch him higher than that. Maybe, you know, and maybe, who knows? I mean, number one, I want to make sure Tannehill's back if that's the case, because at least you have a competent quarterback, even if it's not the high volume upside. But if, if he's back, then yeah, I could see that being, I, I, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, I actually think Andy Dalton would be a better fit for this offense than Tannehill. And if Dalton were there, then I would, I would definitely buy into, to Corey Davis in the 10th round. Hmm. Andy Dalton. Man, what if it's Andy Dalton and Ryan Tannehill together? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> one, one, one of them's got to work. Uh, Dalton may go to the Patriots. Who? Patriots. No, yeah, no I might go I've to heard Hill. that. And Philip Rivers, I've heard to the Patriots Dalton. too. And, you know, whatever. Dal- I think we all like Dalton on this show. I, I mean, think we've all no, that was props. The, He's a, I don't like Dalton yeah. when he started as a fantasy quarterback. I like the receivers that Dalton has, though, because he's, he's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bit like Jameis Winston. He's not afraid to take chances, throw the ball deep, and, and let guys make plays. And when you've got competent receivers on the backside, you know, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, like they're they're both fantasy relevant when Andy, Andy Dalton's quarterback, then, yeah, you could do the same thing with, with almost any receiving pair in the league. All right, 100%. All right, speaking of being back together, we're back together. We'll be back on Wednesday. As usual, Monday, Wednesday continues. Monday, Wednesday schedule change happens after the Super Bowl and still the same time. It's just, uh, these two guys won't be together as much, which might be good for one of them and bad for the other. I don't know. Maybe. 
<laughs> depends on how much you how much you like hanging out with me solo, guys. That's what I was getting at. It was, wasn't a joke at you guys. But follow Chris at Chris Meany, Brad at Brad Ziegler. I'm an old kid. And I'm back in the States. Well, no, I've never left the States. I'm back in my state. I don't even see I'm still hungover. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>